I don't even need coffee after that song, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That song's powerful. Yeah, I don't even need coffee. I mean, I have it this morning, but I don't need it. I mean, after that song, it's just... I haven't had my coffee this morning. I feel like I already have. <laughs> when she comes in on that song, it's just like, I don't know, the raspiness of her voice and his voice coming together is just like beautiful. It's magic. Oh, yeah. It's awesome. So you're in the studio this morning. I'm live coming to you from Winter Garden in my home studio with my fake brick wall behind me. <laughs> the, the downtown Orlando studio and the Winter Garden studio. Exactly. I know your wall's real, though. I mean, that's real wood behind oh, you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those, those are not real plants, though. <laughs> no, they're fake. Yeah. Uh, we pretty much can kill any plant that uh, finds its way into that building because we, we are only there a couple days a week. So we got a lot of guys that are on this call, and I know many of these guys are operating in small groups. Uh, so welcome, Ironman guys out there. If uh, this is your first time to an Ironman event, would love for you to find the place on your screen that you can raise your hand and that way we could at least give you a shout out. But we see a lot of guys out there, Austin, Azim, uh, Jeff, good to have you, bro. Nice to have you here. If you can find the little clicker on there, raise your hand real quick. Ben, Bob, Chuck, Craig Houston out of South Florida. See you down there. Good to have you. I know you know the, uh, the two, two guys that we're gonna have on this morning. Ron Cole, Pete, I see you. Any other first time guys? Winford, good to have you, brother. Nice to have you. I think uh, Puerto Rico's represented there. I see, uh, I saw Julio that was on. Welcome. Good. So if I missed you, welcome to Ironman. It's good to have you guys. This is what we call the Ironman Coffee, which is our once a month event. Uh, we actually host this on the last Friday of the month. In the month of November and December, though, we move it up uh, a week because of the holidays. So next week, Ryan, we will not be meeting virtually, right? That's right. We will next not. Week. What are you going to be doing for Thanksgiving? I always go over my, uh, my parents' house um, uh, over on uh, your side of town. So typically, uh, my wife and I will spend uh, the whole day, and, and, uh, and we'll get home really late that night because we just can't get enough of the family. Awesome. And what's your favorite thing to eat? That's, that's, that's really important. Uh, you know, uh, I'm, a, I'm a mashed potatoes and gravy uh, and a green bean casserole kind of guy. Uh, those are my favorite, my favorite sides. Yeah, I like, I, like, I like the turkey. I like it moist. And I do like uh, stuffing. Yeah. Do you guys, do you guys uh, roast your turkey or do you guys fry it? Carolyn, she puts it in the oven and cooks for like four or five, six hours, something like that, a long time. Okay, we do the same thing. Yeah, she's, she's got it down, no question about it. So I, this, uh, after next week, we are going to be coming back live December 4th, all right? December 4th, we're coming back live at Four Rivers. So all table captains know that we're coming back live December 4th and December 11th, also at Four Rivers. But there, there were a couple questions that we were fielded related to coming back live, Ryan, and I wanted to answer those questions. There was three questions that came to us when we started thinking about going back live. Number one was, are masks required or optional? Um, and so I will tell you, um, when COVID first came out, Ryan, it was so far away from me, it just felt like it was never going to impact me directly. 
Yeah. And uh, man, this seems like the ripples have certainly hit our family uh, and our shore. Uh, Carolyn's parents, as you are well aware, were hit with COVID and uh, Carolyn's dad is still in the hospital. He's going on week three. Mom has been released, um, but dad certainly is um, uh, struggling on the, uh, the other side of this thing in terms of all the damage that's happened to his lungs. So men, I would love for the mass to be required when we meet. Um, so I think that's number one. Number two, uh, the question was, will the tables be socially distanced. If you've gone into Four Rivers recently, you'll see that all of the tables have been socially distanced just because the way that the restaurant has run things. So the answer to that question is yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, Charlie Roper in his place above Oxum, when we come back live for the Ironman coffee for Jimmy Brown, December 18th, we're going to be meeting above Oxum. It's going to be a different setup in there as well. Uh, which is very similar to the way that Four Rivers is set up. So all the tables are socially distanced. Uh, they're in four tops and six tops and three tops and so forth. So the answer to that question is yes, the tables are already socially distanced because that's how the restaurant is running. Um, and then the third question that we were asked, Ryan, was, will there be an online option? Um, we have, uh, we're going to actually attempt to do this. You know, we're not, uh, we don't have a big budget here at Ironman. So we're going to go out and buy an iPad and we're going to, Ryan and Dave, David Sanfilippo are going to work together to create an online virtual presence, even though we will be live. So the answer to that third question is yes. Uh, so hopefully it'll be perfect for you guys, but we do plan to have an online virtual option. So Ryan, did I miss anything in that regard as we come back live? No, no, I think that that was great, David. I, 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 I'm wearing a mask for, you know, for others. And, uh, you know, some of us have not had it hit home. Um, hopefully, uh, if you haven't had it hit home, hopefully you don't. Um, hopefully you never do. But there are many um, Ironmen who COVID has uh, come a little, little bit closer to their home. Some of, you know, some of us have had COVID come into our home directly and, uh, I think it's really great that Ironmen could just really honor and respect and love one another in, in this way and just go, I don't know, above and beyond and do everything that we can. I think, I think you nailed that piece. All right, perfect. And then, uh, you know, we've got the Ironman face scarves. This not only keeps you strong spiritually, man, because people then know what you're all about, but uh, also <laughs> makes you look good. Anyways, um, appreciate you, Ryan, for doing that and reminded me if I missed anything. Let me um, share my screen real quick because I got a couple more announcements. And I want to show you what Ryan and I have been working on for 2021, which is uh, really exciting. So Ironman, we've already been thinking about what 2021 is going to look like. Here are all of our business community partners. Without these partners, uh, it would be challenging for us to continue to operate. Many of these are financial contributors or they're in-kind contributors. So a big shout out to all of these uh, businesses that are represented uh, for Ironman 2021. So you'll be hearing more and more about those business partners. Let me share with you also, if you guys want to take some screenshots of this, you're welcome to. We're, this is almost finished. So you don't have to know that it's a hundred percent but it is uh, probably 99.9 percent .9 done um, next year we're, the overarching theme is going to be apologetics in the defense of the gospel and so the first half of the year we're going to be covering lee strobel's book 
a case for Christ. Um, and so you can see these big questions that are going to be answered in the first part of the year. Let me see if I can make this a little bit larger. Um, so here are some of the big questions that we're going to be covering. Dr. Cooper is going to kick us off in January. Does God exist? John Bishop is going to be coming down from the uh, Northeast. Thank you, Stu, for that introduction. Why does God allow for pain and suffering? Joe Jackson, Joe, Joe, say that five times fast. Joe Jackson, uh, did Jesus claim to be God? So we're going to be covering, Josh is going to be going through, is there scientific evidence for God? So these are our speakers next year. And uh, these are the last Fridays of the month. And then uh, we also have got all of our table captains, which you guys know that is my heart for our ministry, which is where discipleship really happens here. Um, and so here's all the connects that are going to be happening next year and all the table captains that will be teaching for their 10 minutes alongside of other men that they'll rise up. And uh, certainly we have some events that we're going to be doing next year or participating alongside. But one of the more exciting uh, events, Ryan, that I'm excited that once we get through the first half of the year, we're actually going to be bringing Lee Strobel uh, in and we're going to do a, a one-day event at, uh, hosted at LifeBridge. And that's actually going to be August 21st of 21. So hopefully if we could come back live and have an event, we're going to have hopefully somewhere between 600 to 800 men at that event. And it's going to be a full day of apologetics and defending the faith event. And that Lee Strobel is going to be leading us on that. So I'm excited about that. We had a conference call a couple of days ago with Lee and his team, just kind of getting all the, the pieces coordinated and organized for that. So um, one last thing I'll share with you on the screen real quick here. <clears throat> We're all getting pretty good at this whole screen sharing thing, aren't we? <laughs> um, I would encourage all of you table captains, go out into Amazon and purchase the book, A Case for Christ. It's going to be important that uh, you have this book and you begin reading it and getting ready for 2021. It's not a big investment. Kindle, 10 bucks, paperback, only $14.97. And then the second book in the second half of the year that we're going to be covering is called The Measure of a Man. All right, The Measure of a Man. So if you want to take a screenshot of that, get ready. Three, two, one. It's getting ready to disappear. All right. So there. Those are all the announcements, Ryan. <clears throat> that was so good, David. Hey, I'm trying to be fast <laughs> and effective here. Um, we have... Uh, a very early riser that's out there, Ryan. He's, he's coming to us live from California. So it's like 4, 4.12 his time. Oh, my goodness. And you know, when, when, Roy, when Roy said that, um, I asked him if he'd like to introduce our speaker this morning. He goes, you do know I'm in California. He says, but I love Wadid. He says, I love Wadid. He says, so it doesn't matter. It reminded me of the story in the Bible where the friends were opening up the roof for their friend to let him down into, you know, to meet Jesus so that Jesus could heal him. And I'm like, I could see Roy doing that. Roy's <laughs> that kind of friend. And I know Wadid is that kind of friend of Roy. So Roy, if you're out there, go ahead and turn on your camera. I know you're awake because I saw you this morning. Good look morning. At you. You're looking good, buddy. I feel like I'm under the spotlight here. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I appreciate you so much. I remember when you and I met, we were uh, partnering with, um, Life Without Limbs and, uh, you know, doing all of the anti-bullying events across the state. And Nick Vojcic 
and his team said, do you know Roy Moore in South Florida? And I'm like, no. And he says, well, you got to meet Roy because you and Roy are cut from the same cloth. And uh, I love Christian businessmen that are moving the needle, making a difference in the business community for Christ. And you're one of those guys. And so when Nick introduced us together, we established a great friendship. And uh, if it wasn't for you, I wouldn't have met our speaker this morning. I know that you've spoke for us. And I was looking back at the dates. It was 2018. Dang, it's been a couple wow. of years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so Roy, he was a previous speaker for Ironman. He's a dear friend of mine, businessman, now lives in California. Appreciate you getting up, oh, dark 30. So I'll hand it over to you so you can introduce our speaker this morning. Absolutely. And did you want me to open with a word of prayer here, David? Yes, sir. That'd be great. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come boldly before your throne of grace. Thankful, thankful for these men who are gathered here today, who know you, who love you, who desire to serve you, Father. Lord, as we have heard in this introduction, there are those who are struggling with health issues. And Father, those who have been affected by the pandemic in a host of different ways, economically and mentally and otherwise. And Father, we just pray for your sweet spirit of grace. And we pray Jehovah Rapha for healing that uh, is unexplainable. Father, we thank you for that in advance. Father, and today, I in particular lift up Wadi Daoud, who's going to be speaking. Father, he has been an instrument of righteousness in your hand for many years. And Lord, I pray that through the Holy Spirit, you would speak uh, through him and to these men and that uh, his message, your message would resonate and Father, change lives here today. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So gentlemen, uh, it's great to be here with you. Um, I, uh, I Just the opportunity to come in and introduce uh, Wadid was just, it's an opportunity I could not uh, pass up. I first met, just in terms of context, I met Wadid about seven years ago, and we were at a at an um, organization called LifeWork Leadership. There were a couple of hundred people in the room, and I heard this big boisterous laugh, and and um, this uh, this guy who was bigger than life, uh, incredibly well-respected for his uh, business acumen, a guy who can just sort of sniff out how to structure a deal. So I knew him as a businessman at that point in time, but uh, five years ago, Wadid organized a men's Bible study that uh, has convened over at his house. And there are five of us who have journeyed through life together. And we have celebrated the high points and laughed hard. Um, and we have cried with one another and had a lot of different challenges along the way. And, um, and I guess about three and a half years ago, uh, beginning three and a half to four years ago, Wadid has really walked through some major major challenges, things that I think guys that uh, some would just wave a white flag and call it a day, but not Wadid. That's not the man uh, that he is. Um, challenge, as you know, reveals character and reveals your core beliefs. And in his particular case, his character has continued to shine through as a servant, as a steward, serving uh, foster care children, people who are, are young children who are being adopted uh, through four kids, serving uh, to, to have very strong Christian families and Christian family values uh, with Live the Life. And then also in church with his pastor, and, and uh, in particular the pastor in the family. And uh, he's just always there ready and willing to serve. Um, but in terms of the anchor of belief, um, Wadid is, is a man who um, always points to the Lord, no matter what is going on. He loves him. He leans in on him. He trusts him. Um, the belief that, that comes through is just palpable. I think the, the, the most accurate representation I can share is I've been a Christian 
uh, for 40 years, almost 40 years, and around a lot of Christian men, a lot of Christian men who know the scripture, who know the word. But there are a limited number that I have seen who not only know the word, but know the heart of the author. And uh, Wadid is such a man. And uh, so it is with great pleasure, and it is my honor to present to the Iron Men of God Zoom stage today, my friend, Wadid Daoud. Wow, thank you, Roy. That was very kind. Uh, so I'll make a deal with you. Uh, if I go first, can you do my eulogy? Because that was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I love you, brother. Thank you very much for this kind introduction. <clears throat> Big hugs, man. Big hugs. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everybody. Um, I just want to uh, pray real quick that God will reveal something to you over the next three and a half hours that we're together. Uh, that's right, David, three and a half, or is it four? Anyway, I'll try to make it brief. Yeah, keep, keep it to three and a half hours. That'd be good. Okay, we'll do. <laughs> Father, we just come to you with the privilege of calling you Father. That has such a deep meaning to every single one of us and such a bond and relationship uh, that goes with that. And uh, I just want to pray that you would open everybody's heart today and just let them be receptive to whatever tidbit you have for them uh, and their journey. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Let me give you a little bit of background because I think it's important uh, to understand a little bit of my journey and uh, what has happened uh, throughout the years. I was born in Egypt at a very young age. I think I was like zero in 1965 when I was born. So it, uh, it's been a long journey. It's been 55 years. Gosh, I'm trying to do the math in my head here. Um, and it's been a very fulfilling one. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with your viewpoint as to what you're going through, good, bad, or indifferent. Um, so we left Egypt when I was about 10 years old um, because of religious persecution. Dad was out of work because we're not Muslims. Um, did a stint in Ghana, <clears throat> in Ghana in Africa for two years. Uh, did a stint in Iran for 10 months, left with the clothes on our back two weeks before the Shah did. Uh, after that, we spent uh, a year in Egypt when dad was out of work. Um, and then we ended up in Mexico, where we spent a couple of years before eventually coming to the US. Uh, my brother and I left when I was 16 years old to come to the US. Uh, although I was French educated my whole life, I saw really no great opportunities for us in Europe. Uh, I had a scholarship to go to study in Paris after I was done with uh, uh, high school and got my baccalaureate, but uh, decided that I wanted to come to the US because that was the land of opportunity, really loved it here. All my friends in the Boy Scouts were from the States, so uh, we packed our stuff and came to the US uh, at a very young age. Uh, our English wasn't that good, so we decided to choose the best place to learn English in the U.S., which, of course, is Jackson, Mississippi. Um, when I left a year later, I thought my name was Boy, 
But anyway, nevertheless, uh, it was educational. Um, went to Texas, got an engineering degree, and went to work for Lincoln Electric, which is a big uh, firm uh, that specializes in welding equipment. Traveled the world with them, um, handled all of Latin America, handled Africa as a territory. Um, I was multilingual, the only one in the whole company that spoke Spanish at the time that they hired me, uh, the only one in the company that spoke French. Uh, so they used my talents to, you know, let me go overseas. Uh, got married, uh, had a son, went and lived in the UK for about 10 years. Um, unfortunately, that didn't work out. Came back to the US about eight years ago. Went through a really very difficult time by getting divorced and God used that time to absolutely strip me down to nothing. And then when he was done, he presented me with a beautiful bride and we have been married for eight years. And between us, we have six children and three grandchildren. This is important because this is gonna come up as to what it is to serve, uh, just giving you a little bit of background. So let me just give you a quick definition of service. It's an act to help or aid for reward or recognition, very simple. So you have to do something for somebody else and you might get paid or you might get acknowledged. Uh, and this is basically what service is all about. However, everybody's interpretation of service is completely different. Everybody thinks differently about it. Uh, you know, Ryan's journey, which I met yesterday, is phenomenal. I mean, he became a missionary downtown Orlando. Wow, that's awesome. You know, <clears throat> I've known people that have been missionaries and have traveled the world and have done phenomenal things. And I've also known very simple business guys that have done right by their, by, by their employees. But you know, what I want to tell you is a little story of my life. So when we got remarried, the picture that's right on top of me, that's our daughter, which is Christina's daughter. She's currently 38 years old. She is the prodigal daughter um, that I'm sure some of you have in your families that no matter what she does, it always is the wrong thing. Um, no bearing, no compass, no will, um, really, really tough. The problem is she had three kids out of wedlock and they lived in Louisiana. When we got married, uh, God spoke to me and said, you gotta do something about this. So I did, we moved them over here and they lived with us. We put them through counseling. We gave them every single opportunity to grow and you know, be first to heal. Uh, because that's a very important thing. There was some very uh, dysfunctional bits and pieces of relationships that were just lingering. Um, so that was the first thing that we did was to get them as much help and get them to be self-reliant and get them to, you know, give them every opportunity that they never had, including going to a private school, uh, getting a good education, being anchored in a church, which they never went to church. And we did that for a long period of time, for years. And uh, it wasn't easy. And it was really a thankless uh, thing to do. I mean, no matter what we did, 
it was never appreciated. It was more, more, more. Uh, but we didn't do it for them. We did it out of obedience to God. So that's a completely different uh, scope of looking at things. Um, I wish I could tell you they're all great and fine and life was great and our impact on their lives has been phenomenal. Um, it hasn't been, that's the reality. It has been good, but it hasn't been phenomenal. Uh, so, you know, there's little tidbits of these things that happen in everybody's life, which makes you doubt and think it, what, what kind of service, you know, how much is enough? One revelation that God gave me through this particular thing, which was to me mind blowing, you know, I would serve no matter what, no matter when, no, you know, you call me, I'm there. God spoke to me and said, are you getting in the way of me trying to do something? Are you like the savior? Are you like gonna override my stripping her down? You don't remember when I stripped you down a few years, a couple of years before or a year before when you were getting divorced? You don't remember the work that I did in your life to get you back on track to focus on me? How do you know I'm not doing that with her? You know, you stepping in and circumventing that is not the right thing to do. And that was a, an awakening. That was like, boom, wow, are you kidding me? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure this out. I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in the zone, but it wasn't the right zone. And it was a reality check. And after that, things changed. And, you know, the, the help took a different angle. And today she's self-sufficient. I haven't written a check at all this year, which is amazing. Uh, not to her and not to any of her three children. Um, she has a job uh, and they're doing relatively okay. Are they, you know, following Christ and doing all the right things? No, but you know, it's a long way. It's been a process and it's been a long time. So one of the things that I'm always, always trying to pursue is, God, what are you doing? Uh, you know, I don't want to sit here and reinvent the wheel on everything that I think should be done. Because to be honest with you, what I think doesn't really matter in God's economy. What he wants to do, he's going to do with or without me. So I might as well figure out what he's doing and join the party. You know, instead of trying to go and dig away on my own and try to do something on my own that he might not bless. So, you know, it's serving is like, I want to give you this analogy of baking a cake. So in the baking a cake part, there's two things. There's the ingredients, you know, the flour, the sugar, all of that stuff. And you can equate that in your mind to obedience. You know, are we obedient to God? Are we listening to him? Are we in tune with what the Bible says service should be? And the other thing is the act of baking. It's you sitting there, mixing the ingredients, turning the oven on, you know, the love of baking or whatever you want to call it. And that's your willingness to do the service to others, whatever God requires of you. Why do we, why, why do we serve or why should we even serve? I mean, and what would happen if we don't? I just want to share with you really quickly uh, a verse, a couple of verses from the Bible. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to tell you, it's our duty as Christians to serve. 
it's just that simple. And it's very detailed on how it works. I'm gonna read from 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. Amen. That's the end of it. So God is going to equip you. He's given you gifts specifically to serve and to honor him. Seems very simple. So why should you do it? Because the Bible tells you you should. And he tells you that God has equipped you. And then on top of that, the glory is going to go to him. What a relief. Because a lot of us, including me at the beginning, would serve so that I felt good about myself, so that I felt like I was doing something, and I was hoping the results would be phenomenal. You know, I've put in the time, the effort, written the checks, did everything that I should do. So I expect results. I'm a business guy. I'm not going to go into a business thinking, oh, it might or might not work. I'm going to go into business knowing that I'm going to give it my all. And whatever happens, whether it is successful or not, the results are in God's hands. And this is how I look at service. The results are in God's hands. If you are in his will, and if you are doing what he has asked you to do, the results are up to him. He gets the glory and he will, you know, there's some missionaries. I, I want to share this with you. There's, there's loads of missionaries that have gone to South America and the Indians ended up killing them. And to the naked eye, there's been absolutely no effectiveness. They wasted their lives. However, decades later, all of these tri tribes did convert to Christianity. And it's all in God's timing. You know, we might never see the fruits of our service. And that's okay. As long as you obey God, that's okay. So to make, put things into perspective, you know, we're doing this as a sign of obedience because God asked us to. Um, the most important thing is that you see God's plan for your life. And just like you do it for your life, do it for your service. You know, God, what is it that you want me to see? What is it that you want me to do? What is it that you want me to speak? Let me be effective. Let me be your mouthpiece here for the few years that I'm on earth. Let my acts represent you. Let everything that I do, say, think, come from you. And if you have that close relationship with God, which I hope everybody does, and that only comes by spending time with him. And when you spend time with him, it's like, boom, hey guys, I got this great idea. Oh, where did it come from? Well, I was having quiet time this morning and it just popped into my head. He will nudge you. He will tell you, spend time with him and he will make everything clear for you. Not only for your life, but also for your service. 
you know, it's there's there's different ways of of of, uh, of doing service, and one of the ways is you see a need and you try to fill it, and there's nothing wrong with that, or you dream up something a reality that's going to be better for somebody else. There's nothing wrong with that either, but wouldn't it be great if God endorses it and puts His thumbprint on it and says, "I'll give you the gifts to do it." So. Why do we do this? I mean, yeah, it's, it's out of obedience, but we get to do this. That's why we get to do it. We don't have to, we get to do it. God gives us the opportunity to do it. And what do we get out of it? He gets all the glory, but we get a glimpse of heaven while we are participating in whatever service act he does. So that's why we do it, because we get to. It's really that simple. And if we're in tune with God, he's going to download to us. Roy, my friend, had a very burning desire to stop bullying. And he didn't just talk about it. He, we, yeah, we definitely talked about it. But he actually got up and did something about it. Something that was amazing, that has changed the perspective of thousands of students around the country. So did he get all the praise and all the glory of, hey, what a great guy you are? Probably not, but he didn't do it for that. He did it as a sign of obedience. So let me just walk you through a little journey of how this started and where it culminated. Um, in my life, I've always, because of our travels throughout the world, we've seen a lot of poverty, we've seen a lot of injustice, and we've seen, I have seen more than my fair share of really horrible things. Still having a really hard time till today trying to understand how a human could be so insensitive and hateful and cause so much hurt physically, mentally, emotionally to another human being. Still have a really hard time. And this goes out throughout history, you know? Um, the martyrs, stoning people, stoning people today in Afghanistan, you know, the women uh, that they claim are unfaithful just to get rid of them for, you know, so they can marry somebody else. So the human being has the capability of doing things that are unspeakable and unthinkable. God has put a burden in my heart to present a little bit of justice, but to a very specific few, not to everybody, to widows and orphans. And started my company. I left Lincoln about 28 years ago and started my own business. And our business was concentrated in Latin America. There's a lot of horrible things that happen there um, with children and widows. You look at the old ladies begging in the street, which have nothing at all. So as we got more successful, we started looking at projects that we that would change their lives. So I spent about six months vetting half a dozen charities that did work in Central America. And we ended up with Food for the Poor, which is a local charity here based in Coconut Creek. And I went and I sat with the chairman and then he presented me to the project manager. And I said, we'd love to do some projects to change the lives of people in Central America, which is where we're selling most of our stuff. 
And we looked at a whole bunch of projects and there was one project in particular uh, that was not tested, was not proven. However, I was willing to pray about it, get God's release that it needs to be done and pursue it. And that was the first project that we did through a charity um, in Latin America. It was soy milk factories for the orphans and the widows in Guatemala. Uh, we had to do them in five packs, which is five projects for it to make sense. And we had to do them over all together. So we had to get the funding all together. All together to begin with, this was 25 years ago, um, was approximately $35,000. I didn't have $35,000. We had just, I was young in my business. We were making a good living. Uh, God had blessed us, but I I just didn't have $35,000. So they said, can you write a check? I said, no. They said, well, we can't really start the project until we have all the money up front. I said, can I piecemeal pay it? They said, no. So I prayed about it. Literally a week later, Uh, One of our vendor calls, they said, we have received this lead from a company in Texas. They're looking for some equipment. Uh, Would you take care of it? We get company leads all the time. Most of them never lead to anything. However, this one led to a $60,000 order in cash. And guess what the profit was? $35,000 to the penny. God provided I knew that this is what God wanted us to do. We proceeded and we did probably about a hundred of those throughout Guatemala to the poor and the disenchanted and the orphans and the schools uh, and so on. That led to something else, scholarships for young kids so they can go to college and be invested and take their knowledge back to their uh, villages and help out. That led to something else building homes for disenfranchised and and marginalized women whose husband had left them with three or four children that are living at the garbage dumps. And ultimately, I mean, I I don't want to bore you with all the things that we have done, but I I want you to get the sense that it's been a journey. You know, God is preparing you for a journey and it never ends until you die. Your service will never end until you go home with him. Every time something happens, there is a step you need to stop and realize, good, bad, or indifferent, there's something to be learned here. There is something that's been downloaded into me that is taking me to the next level. And it culminated with us adopting three girls four years ago, Um, four years ago last week, actually. Uh, three days ago, sorry, Uh, four years ago, three days ago, November the 17th uh, was the final adoption date four years ago. The girls are local. They are now uh, eight, 10 and 12 years old. Um, And they have changed our lives. It's really that simple. It hasn't been a, a, a walk in the park. I I can tell you that whenever you do a good deed that, you know, everybody's heard, 
if you do a good deed, it always, it never goes unpunished. You know, there's always consequences. Yeah, there is, but it's not the end of the world. You know, we've, we've been on a, on a journey and that journey hasn't been paved with streets of gold. It's been a tough journey. I'm not gonna, you know, sugarcoat it. When you do go out and you do serve, it's not about a feel good feeling. It's not about, you know, I'm helping somebody. You're not helping anybody. You're in God's plan, doing what he planned for you to do. Um, you know, these girls, when they came to us, one of them didn't speak at all. You know, here we are four years later and she finally does speak in school. God has released her from that. They've stolen from us. Lying is an everyday event. I mean, we're still working on that. Uh, almost burned the house down twice, <laughs> accidentally, thank God, <laughs> not maliciously. Uh, never a dull moment, never a dull moment. But we have been called for this. And at the end of the day, when my wife and I many times have done and look at each other and say, you know, we're, we're old, you know, why are, why have we taken this on? You know, we're going to be 70 when our kids are teenagers. I mean, when the last one leaves home, we're going to be old. Um, there is a purpose. There is a purpose. God gives you endurance. He gives you the tools. Parenting at 20 or at 30 is completely different than parenting at 55. Uh, it, it, it's, it's staying the course. It's knowing that God's got whatever situation comes against you and he's in control of it, whatever it is, whether they're burning down the house or lying and cheating, or you have to correct these measures. Of course you do. And you have to deal with all of these things, but you also have to invest in their lives, which is what our service culminated to taking the orphans into our home, which is something that was very dear to me. This is not everybody's journey. Everybody's journey is different. What I'm telling you is not for you. It's for me. It's my walk. It's my journey. Uh, what you need to find out is what is your journey? Spend time with God. Uh, ask him to download something in your heart. Uh, he will. Trust me, he will. And he's got a great sense of humor. For us to adopt three girls at 50 was, uh, yeah, a great sense of humor. And we've, we found them after reading Bob Goff's book, uh, Love Does, our church decided to go and do uh, service acts in the community. And we had signed up to, I don't know, go clean the beach or wash police cars or whatever. And God placed us in a foster home to clean up the foster home, paint it, get rid of all the vegetation that was overgrown, you know. And it was then at lunchtime that we sat with the three girls that we, uh, that we have adopted. And over lunch, very casually, my wife said, their parental rights have been terminated. How about it? I said, yeah, why not? The very next day I was flying out to Panama and I said, babe, I'm going to be gone for four days. You pray about it. Let me pray about it. I'm sitting there in meetings with the Panama Canal Commission. I'm sitting there in very high, you know, important meetings for our business with my business uh, uh, manager. I'm not present in those meetings. I am 
talking with God. Why? Why can't I do this? Give me a reason. Is this the right thing to do? Do I need to step up? You have blessed us with so much. Why can't we do this? For four days, I'm sitting there, not present in any of the meetings. I'm physically sitting there, but my mind and my thoughts and everything are vertical, talking to God. If this is not your will, don't let it happen. I'm going to tell you that after we finally decided, I, when I came home, I was there. Let's do this. My wife wasn't. It took her a couple of more days. We pick up the phone. We call four kids, which is the foster family uh, place here. And I can't tell you that it was just God. They, this was in May that we met them. By July, they were living with us. And by September, we had adopted them. I don't know if any of you have tried to adopt here locally. It's usually in Fort Lauderdale, a two-year process, if not longer. It was streamlined from every aspect. They were living with us before they could even fingerprint us. All the caseworkers that kept on coming to see the girls were like, are you sure you're adopting them? Are you sure they're supposed to be with you? You're not following any of the protocols. We said, we don't know what the protocols are. All we know is they were, they handed it over to us and they've been here and, you know, we're going to go through a 90 day period to see if everything works out with the girls to finalize the adoption. It wasn't even 90 days that they lived with us. It was closer to like 70 days when they said adoption day is coming up. We want you guys to participate and go through and adopt them on adoption day, which we did. It, it was just the right thing that God wanted us to do. A lot of my friends in the Bible study we talked about thought I was nuts. Probably am, but I'd rather be nuts and in God's will than be completely sane and out of his will. It's just that simple. You know, there's nothing that has come against us or will come against us that will, that he cannot handle or doesn't know about. Anyway, I'm rambling. I really want to get you a few points here in conclusion because I hope that God has given you a little tidbit of where you're at and what he has in store for you as far as your service. Serve because the process gets you closer to God. When you're serving, you're standing side by side with God He's there with you. He's your coworker. He's your helper. He's your provider. He's your everything. He's your project manager. You know, he's your everything. Because it also gives you glimpses of what it's going to be like in heaven. Serving is such a selfless thing. It's pouring out of you what God has put into you. God doesn't need you to serve if you don't want to. He'll use others. That's not a problem. But you get to. How can you pass that up? The results are not up to you. What's up to you is to put the effort in. And stay the course. The most fulfilling thing you could do is to serve others. 
You're doing it with God, not for God. God doesn't need your help. And it's also an act of obedience. He said, I've given you everything. Go love others. You know, love God, love people. Loving them is serving them. Not just talking about it. Actually do something. Be passionate about something. Research it. Don't just write a check. Research it. Do everything that you need to do. Gather your friends about you. Tell them, God has put this in my heart. Would you be part of it? Get your family to buy in on it. Unfortunately, my son, who lives in the UK from my first marriage, didn't buy in on us adopting the girls. Doesn't have any connection to them. We've tried really hard. It's a heartache. But I'm not going to try to pander to everybody's liking. I know that this is the right thing to do. Even though if my son doesn't accept it and doesn't want to be a part of it. Give glory to God. That's the only reason. A guy, you know, he's done great things. You get to change the world under his watch. He's asked you to do something. Everybody's been asked to do something. If you don't think God has asked you to do something, you need to go back and spend some time with him. He's asking you to do something today. He's asked you to do something in the past. Maybe you passed up on it. And then finally, which is something that has helped me tremendously, it enhances my abilities to make the right decision and get more wisdom because he's guiding me. When you have that relationship, your service is definitely going to be an exemplary one. Guys, I hope this was fruitful. Uh, it's been an honor addressing you. And uh, I wanna thank you very much for the time that I have been allotted this morning. Thank you, Wadid. Stay on there for just a second. We've got about uh, nine minutes that I want to spend with you. I um, certainly appreciate your testimony, and it is inspiring in many ways. I'll never forget the first time that I met you down in South Florida, and we were having lunch together. I don't think I've ever met somebody that uh, had so many business calls at the lunch in so many different languages. <laughs> I mean, you had a business call in French and then another one in Arabic and then another one in Spanish. And I just was like, how many languages does this guy speak? But uh, God has certainly uh, moved you around this planet and uh, has done it for a purpose so that you could do cool things like you've done in, in Guatemala. I know Greg Snyder is on this call. Greg invited me into the story of Guatemala. And as, as you were going through service, um, you know, I thought about these two acronyms, SAS and BASS, um, small acts of service and big acts of service. You know, men, you, you, not everything has to be a big act of service, but I think that I love, uh, I love what Wadid said in terms of research it, because those big acts of service certainly can, you can find purpose and, and uh, all kinds of neat things related to those, but you can also find purpose in the small acts of service. And Wadid, you hit a chord with me this morning. This week I did a small act of service and I, I screwed up. 
you know, I, I didn't, I, didn't get out of the floor. I screwed up because I, I, you know, my wife, she's been so busy caring for her parents and I know that she likes her floors vacuumed up here and I rarely do it, but I, the girls typically do it. But at this time I said, you know what, I'm going to get all the floors vacuumed. And so I got the vacuum, the right vacuum cleaner out and I vacuumed our bedroom and the offices and everything. And I'm just waiting for her to say something. <laughs> and she never did. <laughs> so where I screwed up and didn't give God the glory is I, I, I just kind of softly mentioned it and said, Hey, did you notice? <laughs> So uh, I need to I need to be more uh, loving and not necessarily look at and say, oh, good job, me, you know, for doing that. So that that struck a chord with me. And I and I, I thought about in John, in John chapter 13, uh, Jesus is demonstrating that he came to serve, not to be served. And absolutely. And that story where Jesus takes off his outer cloak and he begins to wash the disciples' feet. And the first one that he approaches is a guy like me and a guy like you, and it's Peter. And uh, Peter goes, Lord, what are you doing? You don't wash my feet. And then Jesus explains to him. And then Peter says, okay, then don't just wash my feet, wash everything. And um, I, as you were talking about the acts of service, I, I thought about small acts of service. I think about big acts of service. Um, and so thank you for your message this morning. It was terrific. And, I, and thinking about acts of service, and I know this gentleman doesn't do this for the recognition, but let me um, share with you a small act of service that is coming your way. Tom Lopez creates these custom olive wood pens that are made out of Bethlehem olive wood and uh, I remember Tom coming up to me a couple of years ago as an act of service. And he says, what do we do for our speakers each month? And I said, hmm, <laughs> he goes, do we do anything? And I said, well, we don't pay any of them. And he says, well, I'd like to do an act of service. And so every month for the last couple of years, Tom Lopez has created one of these custom uh, olive wood pens that's branded Ironman on the outside. And, and uh, you've got this wonderful pen that's inside. And, and then as I look at this, the uh, list of men that are on this call, and we have somewhere anywhere between 75 to 100 men, depending on how many small groups are meeting this morning. And I think about small acts of service that Dave Greenfield does when we were live, he would bring name tags uh, for Ironman. And I, and I just, I look at some of the guys that financially contribute every month and do a small act of service. I see there's one guy on here that every, every month I see 10 bucks coming in. And then I see another gentleman that does $100. And those are small acts of service. Uh, but I also see guys that serve on a regular basis, whether it's the uh, bringing coffee or whatnot. So anyways, I just had a couple comments related to small acts of service and big acts of service, and then related that to what I saw in John chapter 13. Yeah, I mean, the beautiful thing about it being a journey is God downloads into you moment by moment what he wants you to do. It could be something as simple as holding a door that for a person that has never had the door held to them. You know, it could be something as simple as there's somebody in the grocery store and they've got a sandwich and they're in a hurry to get out. So you say, hey, you know what? Go ahead, scan it. I got it. Have a good day. You know, it could be a whole variety of things that God just downloads to you moment by moment. And discernment as well. I mean, it's heart-wrenching when you're stopped at a stop sign or a red light here in uh, 
in Fort Lauderdale and all the guys that are, you know, begging for money to go use drugs. Do you help them? Don't you help them? Do you give them a word of encouragement? I mean, it's a journey and there is no right answers. It is whatever God downloads to you at that moment, you know, pass it up. You know, I'm doing something here, step out of the way. And that only comes with spending time with God. Last night I went to a Mexican restaurant and um, sometimes God just prompts me at that moment to uh, do something or say something. And I find with D that there's uh, unfortunately too many um, Christians are known for not being generous tippers to the wait staff out there, which is so sad. And so I've inspired the men over the years to just be known in their community when they go out to a restaurant to be a generous tipper. So last night, I'm by myself having a meal. And uh, I, I, I learned this from Brooke because there's a Christian, a guy that's known as a Christian that goes to Bonefish. And when the Christian guy comes in, the wait staff battles to have him in their section, which how cool is that? So what, is. This, what this guy does is he has a meal by himself sometimes and he'll take the meal. So the meal costs 20 bucks and then he'll tip 100%. And he'll tip 20% and then, or uh, he'll tip $20, 100% tip. And then he'll write a message on the, uh, the little thing and he'll write a Christian message. God loves you or something like that. So anyways, last night I said, you know what? I'm going to do what that Christian man does. And so uh, the wait staff came to me and, uh, and I wrote a nice Christian message. I said, God loves you so much, Alex. His name was Alex. And then I gave him a hundred percent tip on the meal. And uh, yeah, so men today, in thinking about these small acts of service, what can you do for your spouse? What's a small act of service that you could do for your spouse today? You know, just as a challenge. Go ahead, Woody. Yeah. So one of the things that I have been challenged is, you know, us men, we're just about business. Uh, women are very different. So one of the things that I want to make sure of is make her feel loved and know that she's loved every day, you know? And the big joke around here is, honey, did I tell you I love you today? <laughs> and in case I missed it, I loved you yesterday and I'm gonna love you tomorrow, but I wanna make sure that you're loved today. Um, I sent her like virtual flowers, uh, met, sent her encouraging messages throughout the day. Uh, our life is not easy. And a lot of times, you know, the devil definitely wants to have a foothold here and, and wants to pry us apart. He tried to do that last Sunday. So, I mean, we're, you know, last Sunday we, I don't want to say we had a meltdown, but we had a, a, a meeting of, hey, let's stop, let's reboot, and let's remember we're here together. We're going through this together. We're doing life together, you know. Nothing is going to separate that. And Good message. it was, you know, it was such a relief. It felt like we had been pressed down. And after we had that, it just got lifted. I mean, it was, and you need to do that in every relationship. And you need to do it more often than what, when we think we need to do it. Yep. If it was up to them, we'd need to do it every day. And that's just the way they are. Um, but love them unconditionally. I mean, they do stuff that irritates us to no end. Not my wife. Not my wife. You married a saint, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I 
No, you have to let you have to, you have to let it go. You have to let it go. It's not meaningful, and she's not doing it on purpose. It's probably old habits or whatever it is. You just have to let it go. You just have to love her, just le- just like Jesus loved the church, unconditionally. And you have to let her know. Amen. I mean, that's the most important thing. You touched on something real quick, and I wanted I didn't want to really concentrate on that, but generosity and service go hand in hand. You know, if you believe in your service, you need to be generous beyond your ability to be generous. And this is how you see God show up. Yep, totally. So, uh, you know, don't think that you can just dream up a big project and uh, hope that it's going to happen from everybody else. You are the leader. God is your co-leader. Go for it. Dream big. Accomplish. Change the world. Do everything that you, you're meant to do and were born to do. Absolutely. Craig Houston, our mutual friend in South Florida, commented as soon as you were saying that. He said, amen. Outstanding with Dean. <laughs> uh, I appreciate all the men from South Florida that also showed up on this call. Appreciate you guys. With Dean, thank you so much for the preparation, the time that you spent. Roy, thanks for getting up early. Ryan, if you're out there, uh, jump on real quick as we close out. There he is. All right, Ryan. Wadid, why don't you close us in prayer, and then, Ryan, I'll turn it over to you so we can wrap up. Awesome. Father, we come to you and thank you for this time that we were able to spend together. We thank you for the way you made us, the gifts that you give us, They're all unique. They're all different. They're all perfect because they come from you. Let us download into these gifts. Let us download into your will. Let us be walking in your steps, Lord, holding your hand. And our life will take a whole different meaning and a whole different perspective. You know everything that's happening with us. You've known us before we were born. And you know every hair on our head. And you know that one day we'll be with you forever and ever. And we look forward to that day. But until then, let us be good stewards of everything that you've given us. Our time, our possessions, our talents. Let us multiply them for your glory and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, uh, men, we hope that you uh, have an awesome Thanksgiving break. Um, and, uh, I think we're all looking forward to, um, for those that are able to, uh, be together again, December 4th at, uh, Four Rivers. And, uh, for those of you that, uh, will not be joining us face to face on December 4th, we look forward to, uh, being with you, uh, virtually in that aspect. Um, so guys, I'm going to, I'm going to play a final Uh, music video for for those that want to stay on the call. Um, If not, you guys, again, have an awesome Thanksgiving break.